Hello and welcome to Someone Should Make This, a show where we do the hard part of coming up with great video game ideas and offer them up to the world. My name is Danish. I'm Jeff. And I'm Matt. And hey guys, I just want to say that I really appreciate this podcast. Uh, you guys are awesome to come on here every week and pitch such good ideas. And, you know, it's something I look forward to every week. So I just want to say thanks. Hey, it's I'll been be here awesome. forever. Yeah, I appreciate that, Dennis. It means a lot. Uh, I'm going to leave, though. I'm going to go. I, I'll oh, see you guys later. I'm gonna, <laughs> what, what, what? Yeah, I'll, 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 uh, I'll shoot you a text sometime or something when I'm in town. That's what? right, everybody. Jeff's not kidding. It's yeah, I'm. I'm it, it's been an amazing run. Where it was episode 114, uh, but uh, it's time for me to to go on and and do do other stuff. Well, we're gonna wish wish you the best. Um, Here's the thing: it's hard for me to wish Jeff the best right now because I'm extremely jealous that he's gonna have Sundays back. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel bad for him at all. Not that I guess I wouldn't. Why would I ever feel bad? Just an adult making his own decisions, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, th- this is n- not really a bit. Like Jeff uh, is leaving the show, and actually we are going to be taking some time off. Um, we're going to sort of uh, restructure the show, figure out what we want to do without Jeff. And um, I do have some ideas that uh, we might do. But, um, yeah, everything's a little bit up in the air right now. But we are going to take some time off, and uh, we would love to hear from you about, like, you know, what you like about the show, what you'd want to see, you know, maybe some ideas on how to restructure. But, um, yeah, I just want a heads up that we might be taking a little bit, or we will be taking a little bit of time off. Yeah, and I just want to nip this in the bud. This this can be dramatic when when stuff like this happens to shows, podcasts, uh, you oh, know, your, drama. your favorite group. The drama, yeah. <laughs> I just want to assure everybody this is... Totally copacetic. It's just uh, my Sunday, my choice. Really, that's what it comes. Jeff, down it's to. all the it's all the fist fights that we have uh, <laughs> yeah. off air that people don't know about the secret, the, the secret dirty works that we that we've gotten into. Yeah, and and Matt broke rules one and two of our secret fight club. But oh um, shit! But it, it's out in the open now. Uh, you you have to you have to take care of yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, and sometimes that means beating the shit out of your friends. It's true. Which is which is always, you know, awkward over Zoom. Just kind of <laughs> right. that out there. <laughs> yeah, we just had like, we just made dolls of each other and punched them. <laughs> this is what I want to do to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, uh, best of luck, Jeff. Uh, we're going to miss you on the show. And uh, and obviously, uh, you know, you're welcome back anytime to, it'll be like an SNL alum coming back to host the show. Yeah, Steve Martin. <laughs> I get my five timers jacket. I do uh, do the whole thing. One day I'll be as as prolific as Dan as a special recurring guest host. You're gonna have Maybe. to catch up. You got to start yeah. all the way back at ground zero. And oh yeah, no, I'm I'm ready up. for it. I've 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 deleted my save data. I'm gonna do the platinum run uh, yeah. from from the ground <laughs> up. Uh, awesome. Well, let's move on to. Uh, just shooting the shit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, where do we go? It's not really a segment. Horrible transition. <laughs> actually, actually, Let's speaking of going to... places, uh, I went to a theater for the first time uh, in a year yesterday. Same oh, here. that Jeff got to taste the outside world. That's why he's I leaving. I it was it. it was amazing. And Danish, uh, what did you see? Okay, I saw nobody. A bright light. Oh, great. <laughs> a bright light. Right. Uh, it was it was kind of awesome. Um, there aren't a lot of theaters open in downtown Austin, so we had a we did about a fifty minute drive to the southwest suburbs. But we went to this theater; it was pretty nice. 
and we were the only two my partner and i were the only two people in this showing and uh, so we were sitting like dead way. center um empty theater uh we had our masks off while we were watching the movie felt a little bad for the people working there because you know we buy a popcorn and a topa chico water and that's it and i know that's where they're getting their money but i was glad to uh to buy something and give them a little tip on there uh but yeah it was weird it was fun it was so great to be in a place that was not my living room how great was nobody oh it was amazing it was so good yeah, um, great. And, and, and just just to I mean, I, I would love to talk about it. I don't want to spoil anything for. for yeah, it's a hard so there... movie, surprisingly hard to talk about. Uh, so, I, yeah, a very similar experience for me as well. I, I saw the new Guy Ritchie, Jason Statham movie, Wrath of Man, uh, which was I, I didn't know this movie existed until like a week ago. <laughs> I'd never heard of it. Yeah. And suddenly there's this trailer. And it's like, oh, it's coming out like right now. Um, and then I saw someone on Twitter describe it as Guy Ritchie's Den of Thieves. And I'm like, well, I have to see this movie immediately. So Guy Ritchie made a movie for Danish. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, it was awesome. It was really good. Uh, I don't think it's as good as Den of Thieves, but it's it's really fun. Really is good. it as good uh, as King Arthur, Legend of the Sword? No. Guy Ritchie's best no. movie? It is not. It yeah, is not no, that, that Yeah, that no good. shit. Um, <laughs> um, and a, a similar experience to Jeff in terms of the theater itself. It was pretty empty. Uh, there were a couple other people in the theater. Um, but I feel safe. Uh, you know, the, the guy taking the tickets was behind, like scanning my phone was behind glass and then I didn't encounter any other humans he looks so uh, at sick. all. Um, so yeah, it was cool. Um, I was just so happy. Like I sat down and like the trailers were playing and I just felt happy. I felt like I saw in, um, Tenet in a theater during the pandemic last August And I had, like, insane precautions. I was, like, basically wearing a hazmat suit. And I didn't have... He looked like uh, the Christmas story. (laughs) Yeah, the little shirt. Ralphie, when he went out with his mom, put all that shit on him to go outside. Exactly. Um, So it it wasn't the same experience in terms of just, like, relaxing and watching it. Um, So, yeah, I was like, man, it was awesome. Um, And then me and my friend were like, uh, because he is also fully vaccinated, uh, who I saw it with. Uh, we're like, that was great. You know, we're probably not because we were both like uh, the AMC A-list members because it's like, it's an awesome deal. Like you see more than two movies or if you see two movies a month, it's worth it. Which we're, isn't as easy to do these days. At the time, it was a great deal. So, yeah, that was the ta- that was what we were talking about is like, is there even more than a mo- one movie a month? Like it cost $20 a month. The ticket I paid for was $13. So like it wasn't worth it to do for one movie. And then we thought, you know what? Like we had so much fun just like going to a theater that we're like, let's see, let's see what's coming up. And so <laughs> next week, next week is the Chris Rock Saw movie, mm-hmm. and we're like, fuck it, we're gonna see it. And so, <laughs> uh, so I, I think what we're doing is gonna get the AMC A list and just see whatever garbage there is. So wait, fuck it. can you get A list now? This sounds this yes, sounds like can. a fucking advertisement. Yeah, because I I cannot you reactivate can. my Draft House membership yet. Like they won't let you. It does not exist. AMC uh, activated it uh, a long time ago, which was not a good idea. But yeah, it's been active for a while. Oh, uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, theaters kind of, kind of back. So I, we, I, we may have talked about this before, but like, uh, it's gonna be Fast Nine. Is like you guys is for like Matt. You're definitely your first movie back, right? Probably. Is there anything before that? 
Probably. I mean, well, I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to think of like I haven't here's the thing. I haven't been paying attention to movie release dates at all for the past year because it's like you don't know. It's it's like yeah. it's just a number somebody's throwing at you that can change yeah. every any moment. So exactly. I'm not retaining any of this stuff. But I feel like I feel like Black Widow or Fast Nine, it's probably gotta be one of those, right? Fast yeah, Nine uh, is Cruella June 25th. comes out this month as well. Wanna see that? Uh, I have like no interest in Cruella. I'll see it on Disney Plus. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, I'm I'll not gonna pay thirty dollars to watch it on Disney Plus if I can pay seventeen to see it in the theater. Sure. That's fair. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. In fact, actually, now that you mention it, that's the case for me too. If I get the, the AMC, because I might do that with uh, Raya as well. If it's if it's in any theaters near me. But yeah. you watch it with somebody. Like Dan, if you've got a whole family, I guess that you can't. Bring it's, them that's Corolla. true. It it's going to be a little dark for them. Well, and and uh, children know, can't yeah. be vaccinated yet either. So so there's that part too. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about children in a movie theater. Like, actually, a few months ago, um, we rented out a theater for kids, for, like, my kids and my, their cousins and, like, some, you know, relatives' kids. We rented out a theater for them to watch it just as, like, a thing because, you know, it, it's been so long. Uh, but other than that, I don't know when that'll be – I'll feel comfortable about that. So, that'll be a while, maybe. Um. Anyway, yeah. Uh, love the movies. <laughs> love it, it felt so good to get back they're the movies gotta love them gotta love them that's what they say uh, yep so uh what have you guys been playing i've been playing everything no actually i finished i finished returnal uh well I, okay i didn't finish Returnal. like i rolled credits and there's like some extra like uh the, get the real ending stuff that you mm. can do and i didn't think i was gonna do that but every time i'm not playing returnal i'm thinking that i could be playing returnal so i want to go back to it um, cool. So, and that might be a good excuse for me to do that. I think I'm going to do that. Um, but Resident Evil also came out uh, Thursday night. Uh, mm-hmm. I ended up playing it on Friday, and I finished it yesterday. So that was finished oh, wow. in <laughs> under 24 hours for me. Um, that game was also awesome. Uh, both those games really great, and both those games I think I'm going to keep playing because Resident Evil has uh, the the mercenary things, which I don't know. Oh if yeah, you know anything? Those about are that. fun. I remember, like, I played a ton of that in Resident Evil Four. Oh my god, it was. I think it was better in Resident Evil Four. Uh, I think yeah. they had a better sort of loop uh, formula going in there. It's because I, yeah. I got some issues with the way that they're doing it now, but uh, it's still cool. It works this time. It this time around, it works more as like a sort of like a speed run thing where enemy mm. spawns seem set and there's only so many enemies per section and it's your, your job to sort of run around and kill them as fast as possible while picking up power-ups and then make it to the exit whereas in four it was more of like a uh like a enemy rush or slash like bosses rush every once in a while and like you're just trying to extend your time as long as possible and see how long you can last before you get taken down or time runs out i think i like that better because the one thing i'm finding in current mercenaries is if i missed an enemy somehow because the game's like dark and enemies are slow Mm -hmm. so you can run right past a zombie without noticing it um i will get all the way to the end and the little thing will say that there's one enemy left and it's like fuck do do i want to go through the Mm. portal now and go to the next area or do i want to like run back to the level he could be all the way back at the start i don't know um so that gets kind of annoying when you're under a time pressure and you're like searching for one enemy stomping around somewhere um but uh it's it good. sounds like the 2008 game The Club. What? Uh, it's the I, we've mentioned this on the podcast before because it's such an interesting idea that like completely bombed when it came out. But The Club is a quote unquote like speed run game. It's like a racing game. 
In fact, it's oh. by Bizarre Creations. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, but like the the race is you shoot people and try to get to the end and make a speed run about it. And uh, anyway, it sounds like that. Is that kind of close? Yeah, it's imagine a slow because that game was sort of wasn't there like parkour and like crazy. It was fast. I don't remember if it was fast parkour, paced. but it definitely was pretty fast paced. Yeah, it's not it's not that because you know it's Resident Evil. You're kind of yeah. like you know Ethan's not the fastest guy in the world. Um, yeah. So you're kind of you're kind of just stomping around at Ethan pace, but. Um, like it is sort of that idea. It's, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, learning the route, finding all the enemies and then getting to the end. Uh, yeah. it's cool. The, the game itself was also cool. I, my, my, the biggest thing that kept sticking out to me during the story mode of that is it felt like they were trying to do resident evil four again in a lot of ways, um, mm. in terms of like setting and some of the structural stuff. Uh, I'd go into an area and be like, wow, this is just fucking straight up resident evil right now, mm-hmm. uh, or resident evil four right now. Um, so I, I don't know it that was sort of weird because like re4 in my opinion was the best one and mm-hmm. it's cool that they were chasing that again but it just seems so on the nose that they were chasing it real hard that it was almost like you gotta have some original ideas too right um mm. but otherwise no i liked it a lot i think uh i think most resident evil fans would like it it was it was really cool how's it look uh, the, the demo oh my, was amazing oh my god it 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 holds up it's like I feel like there's a lot of games where you play where you play the first level and it's it's just amazing. And then sort of as you progress through, uh, you don't really notice it happening. But, you know, halfway into the game, it doesn't look quite as good as it did in those opening like money shots that right. a lot of games have. Man, this game would like you'd go to a new area and they would stage stuff out so well uh, in terms of like having a great first impression that like you're constantly seeing these like vistas and cool areas that you're like, God damn, that looks just real. But like. Uh, real in an interesting way of like the spaces aren't anything that would exist like you know like resident evil likes to get into these sorts of like i don't want to say sci-fi but there's there's sort of like these steampunky elements in this one Mm -hmm. depending on like where you're at and man you go into this like underground facility type thing which uh it's not a spoiler it's not like the original like it's 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 not what it sounds like um yeah but you just see it and it's a space that couldn't exist but it looks real so it's like extra striking because of that that's cool um yeah just it it Man, it might be one of the best looking games I've ever played. Another question I have is um, I've heard some people say that the storytelling is like they're not sure if the game is in on the joke or not. Like there's oh. some there's there's some scenes that are so cheesy and bad, but like, are they trying to or not? Like, what was your take on that? I think I think they know because because when the when the game is being serious and when it is when the storytelling is working it's working really well um and i shouldn't say working because it's always working in that yeah. i think it's always doing what they want it to be doing there's just moments where it's 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 ridiculous and it's <laughs> yeah. it's set up to be ridiculous in 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 interesting ways because there's there's parts where if i were to explain to you what happened and then say it was the scariest shit I've ever seen in my life. You'd be like, "How the fuck? That sounds that sounds so stupid." And it does sound yeah. stupid, but in the moment, it's insane. But then there's other parts where it is just stupid. Like I came yeah. across this. Uh, 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 it's like a it's like a let, like somebody's making a journal, and they were doing experiments on like you know Resident Evil's got all this like bullshit yeah. about bioweapons and blah blah blah, like making super soldiers, and it's it's these journals of somebody who was doing experiments on one, and they're basically going like. Uh, Super Soldier version one, it has these issues, uh, not really working. Super, 
uh, Super Soldier version two, it has these issues, but we solved these ones. And it's, it's sort of a, it's, so the player can be like, oh, that's its weak point. Oh, this is what I got to do right. later on that's to expose cool. its weak point. But then they're also, he's also talking like, uh, we put we put version two up against um, a bunch of enemies and they tore them apart. So in version three, we're giving them a giant drill arm. And it's like, <laughs> you know, a giant drill. Like, why is that? <laughs> Just give them a gun. What are you doing? I'm Ethan. I have a gun all the time and it's always That's working. Funny. Just give enemies guns. So like, it, it's really cheesy. And I just, I can't imagine that they don't know that it's cheesy. Like right. they know that. If you gave any of these enemies a gun, the game would be over. So I think they're kind of leaning into right. like how goofy some of these designs are. I've heard people say stuff about um, just Ethan as a character, like how he's like dumb as a rock and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I didn't think he was that dumb. He's <laughs> He doesn't react to certain things how I think... A human. <laughs> yeah, and I think they lean into that as well. Um, okay. I don't want I don't want to spoil any like specifics sure. on that sort of thing, but like they they know. I, I there's even I think there's even a part where somebody's like, you don't think this is weird? <laughs> 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 it's yeah, like, it's like yeah, it's fucking weird, dude. And he doesn't respond to some of the weirdest shit. So that's funny. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna play this, and I, I heard it's on the shorter side. Like, well, you beat it in 24 hours. Well, no, uh, I beat it in. I in, remember I looked it up. 11, last night. Yeah. It was like 11 hours, and I was exploring a lot. I tried to find everything I could. So yeah, like I said, that, that's that's music to my ears. I'm I'm. Oh yeah. I do I do want to return uh, play Returnal uh, and like beat it if I can. Although I kind of got stuck. Like I'm not really progressing, but again, I'm not playing as much uh, as I you're I, always I want progressing to. in Returnal. That's the that's the that's magic true. of it. That's why it's mm-hmm. so good. I mean, my one minor complaint about Returnal is that it's compared to other roguelikes like Rogue Legacy, uh, you do, it doesn't carry over as much stuff, which is my. But I think it's it's fine. I still love playing it. I still love the gameplay of it. So I, I think, don't mind. Uh, I I think that changes. At least it changed for me once I got past biome number three. Um, okay. That's when you start unlocking gun. This is minor spoiler. Like guns yeah. have perks on them, right? And if yeah. you haven't actually gotten the perk yet like let's say i pick up the handgun and it's got a perk called shrapnel on it um it'll be locked at first so it's just a normal handgun and then as i use it it puts like xp into that gun as i kill enemies and then i unlock Mm -hmm. shrapnel so the next time i find another pistol that has shrapnel it'll already be unlocked so that gun is just permanently better and the more you progress through the game you'll get one two three i think you can even get like i've never seen it but i think you get like four or five perks on a gun so if you yeah. get to that point and you've unlocked all of those perks, they're just death machines. Like you're, yeah. It 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 sort of it sort of pushes the difficulty level down the more persistent you are to yeah. until you kind of find your natural equilibrium of difficulty and progress through the game. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Uh, all right, let's move on to our pitch this week. Uh, Jeff has. A very special pitch for his final episode. Yeah, today. tonight on a very special, someone should make this. Uh, Drugs. Jeff is gonna gonna teach the guys how to <laughs> say goodbye, like George Washington did in Hamilton. Uh, now, I, I, I've been ruminating on this idea of um, of loss. I guess is the best way to say it. Um, <laughs> not that anybody's losing anything here. You're gaining but, um, free time, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but I was thinking about this this idea of loss, and this was kind of inspired um, as is like a follow up to two weeks ago when we did like the reverse Metroidvania, which I, I still think about because I think it's such a, an interesting idea, um, and that's like very much a uh, mechanical loss. And I was thinking like, how do you use a game mechanic to 
emulate personal lost, which of course made me think about Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which that game is is all about that. And if you haven't played it, I'm not going to talk any more about it, but you should play it. Um, and then I was kind of combining that with this idea of that uh, of Journey, the game Journey by that game company, where you are, uh, you know, it's about life and death. It's about um, community. It's about, you know, being with people and being alone. And so I just wanted to play on a couple of these things, these ideas in this idea. And so what I have is it's kind of a, a an open world RPG, maybe not open world, but but it's an RPG where you're interacting and helping NPCs out. And the way you do that is you join up with an NPC to complete a task or a quest or whatever. And that NPC is like part of your control scheme. Like when you're with them, your controls are, are split in the same way that brother, a tale of two sons mm. are, but, um, we should explain that. We should explain that. Yeah. A little yeah. Bit. We, we could do that. Um, cause it, in a, in brothers, tale of two sons, it's, you're, it's two brothers, but it's left and right side of the controller is how you're controlling them. Um, it right. sounds really confusing, but I don't think I ever had a problem with it. It was really elegantly done. Um, and it was fun to do. It, it, the, the whole challenge of the game, it's like someone made a game about rubbing your stomach and patting your head. Like that, that <laughs> idea of like right. uh, doing two things that you're not used to doing. They're simple and it's not hard, but just the fact that you're not usually tr- controlling two characters at once, it makes it fun and interesting. Yeah. yeah. And and I definitely want to play on that. So so let me let me zoom out a little bit because I, I feel like I'm, I'm jumping around mechanics. You're in this like small town or whatever, and there's like six or eight people living there with you. And every time you go to do a little quest with them, you get to know them. There's like, they're talking, there's back and forth, but also that, you know, right half of your controller is them. And so you have your stick, you have some face buttons on the right side that are specific to that person and have, you know, maybe a specific ability or or they can interact with an object in a way unique to them. And then the left side of your controller is just you. And so every time you complete a quest with one of these NPCs, um, they leave the town and now their home and that side of the world is taken away. And so as you play and complete these quests, each person leaves until you're left in this empty world. And then, um, and that, that's kind of like symbolizing, you know, everybody, you know, lost people are leaving. And then it's also a fresh start. And so new things start coming in and you're able to, mechanically take the experience of having spent time with that npc and now you get like part of their ability like you can interact with that object that that one person can interact with and now like every time you do that you're reminded of that person anyway that's the basis for what i have what if you are an immortal vampire and the things that are coming and going are like over centuries oh yeah that's pretty I think good. That fits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick, I want to point out uh, Brothers is obviously great, a great example. Another one that I don't know if a lot of people talk about is the Mario and Luigi series. I don't know how many of the games there are. There's at least two uh, Mario and Luigi Partners in Time Superstar and Mario and Luigi. Superstar Saga. Oh, yeah. Superstar Saga. And then there's also Bowser's Inside Stories. So I guess there's three. Um, Anyway, it's kind of like Brothers, where you're controlling both Mario and Luigi, except they're both on the D-pad. It's kind of like an old-school RPG where one's following the other. But the buttons, like A is 
Mario and B is Luigi or whatever. Um, and so like, imagine you're running, you're walking from left to right. Mario's in front, Luigi's trailing like a few feet behind and you have to jump over like a laser beam. You have to like jump with Mario and then jump with Luigi and time it right. And that's like a simple example. Um, but there's a lot of like combat and yeah, it's, it's a really cool, clever game. That's a little bit like this, but I think that it's different from what you're saying. You're, you're saying more like, um, well, actually, let's clarify that. Uh, when you take on an NPC, mm-hmm. is it like Brothers where like you're actually controlling them with the analog stick and they're controlling their movement as well? That's how I envisioned it, yeah. Okay, yeah. sure. I and think so that should cool. be because one of the, I, I, I really like the, the Mario Luigi example because one of the things that because you're playing the game for so long, they're not short games. Um, you're sort of uh, your muscle memory very quickly learns that, you know, the timing of a jump, if you're, if you're jumping over a gap or something, BA or whatever, you know, whatever you end up doing. Mm -hmm. And if you end up not having that anymore, like, let's say, let's say like 20 hours into the game, Luigi fucking dies. Mm -hmm. And now all you're doing is you're pressing the A button. It is technically easier, but you feel like you have lost something. Like you, you have, you, you sort of built up this skill and this knowledge of how that works. And so even though it's easier, you now have this like useless knowledge. And I think that feels like, like a, a missing piece of the overall puzzle. Yeah. So that's I, cool. I, I do think that's a good parallel there. I think if you, if you kept all the NPCs, like, like let's think about the right side of a controller. You, um, you know, have ABXY, uh, cross square circle triangle whatever as face buttons that's four npcs and you have one npc that's r1 one npc that's r2 each of them has a different button on the right side of the controller and so as you're using them as you're going through the quest you're using you know triangle all the time with this one npc and then they're gone and now triangle's gone right like no other npc is going to use the same button Okay, so you're not using the right stick for the NPCs. No, you you are. You're controlling them. But I'm just saying, like, the their interact button or their action button should be unique to them so that when you when they move on, now that button is kind of gone until you enter the second half of the game, which is rebuilding where you, you Well this is I mean this get this gets into some like nitty gritty stuff, but um in Brothers you're using the bumpers and triggers so you never have to take your thumb off the analog stick. Mm-hmm. So like control wise it might be a concession to try to use the face buttons when you're using the right stick at the same time, you know? I wonder if simplicity is part of the reason why it works in those games. Um, like, not having... Like, like it. if every time I picked up a new NPC, I am... Um, I get kind of learning a new control scheme of like learning that like it's not it's not major, but I'm learning mm-hmm. this button yeah. and what it does and all that stuff. Maybe that's maybe that's taking something away from you know just every time I have an NPC, it's remapping the the right trigger and bumper to whatever yeah. their skills are, sure. and then and then that way, I mean, maybe that could help reinforce the lost thing is when you don't have them, you now have these two dormant buttons on your controllers that used to be so helpful, uh, but now. They just don't do anything until you can quote unquote fill that hole with somebody else's skills or you know companionship. Sure. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think there's an argument for for either one. Um, it, the 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 benefit to having a unique button. So let's let's just simplify it. Like, say there's four NPCs in this town. All of them have right stick, and then all of them use R1, R2 for their like main interaction. But then they have a special ability or something. That's this face button where they're, you know, they're standing still to use it or something. Sure. Because I want that. Because the thing about Brothers is that 
the control scheme is simple and it becomes second nature to use it. And so when that's changed or disrupted based on whatever's happening in the game, like you really, really, really feel that. And if all the NPCs in this game are using the same control scheme, it doesn't feel like loss if, you know, NPC one is gone, but now NPC two, like I'm using the same buttons. So like if there's something taken away or changed on the controller between NPCs, I think that's powerful. I do agree with that, actually. Um, but yeah, maybe we could just reserve it for one button. So like that, like you said, that's the special action button. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of it is the bumper, so you don't have to relearn everything. But you do know that there's one that does something different. Yeah, yeah I think cool. that's I think that's fine. Um, yeah. So so tell me more about this vampire thing. Like like how does this fit in? Because I like well, I mean, the the idea of like an immortal being and people coming in and out of their lives is well, it's just classic. Yeah, it height it heightens that exact thing you're talking about of like. It's the it's the very classic vampire story of like they're detached because what's the point of attaching to someone because you're gonna outlive them but like by a long you know and so it's interesting I, I wonder what the resolution could be like because maybe I'm just thinking of like Castlevania <laughs> like uh, Castlevania season one where uh, Dracula um, falls in love with that woman I can't remember her name and then the town like uh, whatever like kills her and then. Dracula wants revenge or whatever. Um, like maybe there's some things like that where you go through it one or two or a few relationships and then it just sucks. And maybe you're like, you're like, I don't want to do that again. You closed off. And then I don't know. I think that that's a very classic story that could be an interesting way to tell with this scheme. So you know? the, the second half of this game in my mind is, is saying like, okay, um, you know, NPC one NPC, uh you know button x or whatever like x was their button they're gone now like all these npcs are gone i'm entering a new situation with a brand new person and they can't do what i need them to do so i'm going to teach them x you know what right. like, i'm going to teach That's them that cool. button so the first half of the game is is like learning these people and learning what these things do and then the second half is taking that knowledge and giving it to other people so it, it, this idea of of you know, like how people say that person's going to live in your heart forever. This is kind of the mechanical embodiment of that, where now they're gone, but you can teach somebody else to do what they used to be able to do. So right. um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to I think we're we're kind of glazing over the forming of these attachments, because right now these characters do yeah. feel sort of like a tool in that right. I'm going to go pick the person who heals me or whatever. And then that's it. Um, and I, I was thinking of games where I actually felt this way outside of the the examples that we've given. And the biggest one is the game I bring up every time, Brawl Stars, where I will go into a match and nine times out of ten, I feel like everybody else on the team is a dipshit and I'm the only one pulling mm-hmm. my weight. And of course, that's not true, right? They probably feel the same way about me. And it's because the way we're playing just isn't like jiving and isn't meshing together but man mm-hmm. every once in a while you get on a team with this other player and it's like you you guys are just like linked up and you you have the same idea of how this strategy should work and you just dominate for a couple games and at the end of every match you get the chance to like replay with that player so every once in a while you'll go on a tear with this person for you know five or six matches in a row and then eventually they've you know they finished their bounties they ran out of time they're they're done on the toilet whatever and they like you hit play again and they hit not again and they leave right. and you're like oh shit now i have to go back through this whole like rigmarole of dealing with dipshits until i can find somebody <laughs> else that like I, I work with again and i'm wondering if there's not a way to to bring that into the mix of where well, you're almost I mean, like trying out other people 
until yeah. somebody meshes with you. Jeff, I mean, Jeff's original touchstone was Brothers Meets Journey, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what Journey was. Yeah, Journey It was a has... silent, behind-the-scenes multiplayer mm-hmm. where you can't talk or whatever. Like, it could easily be that the NPCs or humans are actually other players, Journey-style, that uh, have limited communication, and they're just this person that, like... Yeah, sometimes you find a bond with and sometimes you don't. Or Yeah, that's, yeah I think I, that works perfectly. I, I, I mean, in Journey, I, I think everybody who plays that game has a an anecdote of they were in a position, they were trying to get a collectible or they were trying to get, you know, into the next area and you and this stranger who you can't communicate with are able to chain your jumps together to get, like, into a new platform or something like that. Or, or you know, there's some interaction that you do that required some intense coordination like matt was talking about and but you managed it because the the tools that you have are so simple but also so intuitive yeah and the way they play off of each other is important too and like the same thing happens in destiny where you're running a strike and maybe i'm doing a bounty where i can't just run through the strike as fast as possible when that's what nine out of ten people are trying to do so when you finally find that one person who apparently is trying to do the same bounty of i don't know pick up these things at every enemy or whatever and you notice that they're doing the same thing you're doing you're like oh thank god we're on the same page and like i can i can run strikes with this person for a little while rather than dealing with all the people who are just hauling ass through it so yeah that that idea that you're looking for somebody who is who's playing with you or yeah, like I, I guess playing with you really. But mm-hmm. I also I also want to try to keep this as an AI thing because I, I think it would be very easy for one of us to say, what if it's multiplayer? And then I think that kind of just does it. Yeah, it just um, becomes an MMO or something. It, yeah, it just becomes like any other game, right? right? So what I'm thinking Drivatars. So like oh. I was I was so, thinking something like that, yeah. Yeah. So like Oh, I, oh game, I got it. You're a vampire through your familiars. And your familiars can go ah, in other people's games. That's good, but you have to you have to pick a familiar, right? So I think yeah. I think we need to set up scenarios where uh, you're, and you're doing missions. That's the right half of your controller, right? Is is these familiars? Whether it's your familiar that you're like training up, or it's somebody else's familiar that maybe has like different abilities or, or different stats. Well, not yet, because I okay. I want to I want to pick my familiar, and I want to I want to go into missions and maybe you go into a mission with three other of these potential familiars. Like you're, you're a vampire, maybe you're just like, Hey, go do shit for me. And you get to like go with them. And uh, you know, I don't know if this is like a Diablo style game. We haven't even discussed that part yet. Um, but when you see one of these, uh, potential familiars, like, you know, maybe, maybe you've, maybe you've picked your character and you are very good at, uh, getting headshots or whatever. Um, Mm. or maybe you're not good at getting headshots, but you have a lot of skills in that. Um, and one of your familiars can like, you notice can freeze groups of enemies. You're like, oh shit, he can freeze a bunch of enemies and then I can get the headshots. That's such good synergy. So as you go through these like trials, you can pick one of your familiars and they should be probably pretty quick. Um, pick your familiar and then you get the ability to freeze and then get those headshots. And then I think, because I think there, there is a lot of times, even in Mass Effect games, where you see Rex fly across the screen and shotgun somebody in the face, mm-hmm. you're like, fuck yeah, Rex! Like, I, like, I want yeah. that out of this. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's that's good. And I think if you if you start tying that with um, 
this this idea that that familiar is not going to live forever because you're a vampire yes. and you know that 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 freeze ability is fleeting that they are unique for having that ability it's not only useful for you but you know that it's temporary and then if you tie that to like between mission like you know dialogue or story stuff or um you know like like every every rpg like that specifically bioware stuff always has those like those quests where now I'm going to be connected to this person emotionally because I helped them do something personal. And and that kind of gets to the heart of what I wanted with this, where like, you know, going back to brothers, you're on a quest to do something specific. And so if you make that smaller size and like, okay, this familiar needs to reconnect with their mom. So I'm going to play through a section where I'm, you know, I'm controlling myself, I'm controlling them and we're doing some like puzzle stuff we're collecting something and then we're bringing it to this person's mother and like now they're complete or whatever and then time fast forward and they're dead so actually i, I want to build on that also give a shout out to colin sandberg who tweeted at, at make this podcast where for episode 112 which i believe was our reverse metroidvania uh he said uh, i thought it'd be interesting to tie to the hero getting older fighting some more bad guy for years as they get older they can't do all the fancy attacks and moves from their youth I think that's an awesome idea, oh, by the good. way. But yeah. but um, that's kind of what we're talking about now. It's like your familiar also is getting older while you're not. And uh, those powers are going to go away. And at some point, you're going to have to like find some replacement or like, yeah, say goodbye in some way. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I, I wonder- there's also a di- the, there's like a big part of that vampire thing that you kind of touched upon, too, is in this game i think you should have the option of not having a familiar or uh-huh. or not doing their personal quest for them because maybe you do it a couple times and then they die and you're going to get to the point where you're like well why am i going to like do this stuff yeah. for this person why am i going to get this attachment to them if they're just going to fucking die anyway and i think that that is playing into the yeah, whole like vampire thing that that kind of mechanic fatigue is is perfect for the overarching narrative of, of being a vampire and becoming disconnected with the world around you that's loki brilliant so let's back up like matt to to, i was thinking the same thing like what is the game is it diablo i was actually thinking it would be more chill more like a stardew valley where it's just like taking care of yourself and like taking care of your mansion and then but stardew valley does have not action bits but like some exploration and Mm -hmm. uh where like you're going in the underground caverns it's like so i don't know that's kind of where my head was at but i think diablo kind of would work too or maybe a mix of the two. Well, I yeah. Why don't why don't you two. do two? Because I think having your vampire estate is just the most vampire thing in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> using Stardew Valley as like the wrapper for that is good because then when you go into the dungeons, then it's that CRPG Diablo style combat where yeah, it's still like a split control scheme, but it's a little bit more familiar, a little bit more action heavy, um, and it's 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 more of a, a, a support for the Stardew Valley. Right, Starting because you do, the the action part of it is what really hits at the loss of a mechanic that right. you you want. But um, uh, I the the nice thing about having this estate that needs to get taken care of is you also then get that option to be like, I need a familiar, but I'm not going to take them out on any of my missions. I just need them to stay home and take care of all of my <laughs> yeah. vampire house shit, so that I can yeah. go out and do the fun stuff. But then I like I feel like every time you come home, there should be a moment where they're like. Hey, I did all this for you. Uh, I did all that. Hey, any chance that I could go on your next mission with you? Like, they're kind of yeah. also kind of mm-hmm. asking to go on these missions all the time. And like, I feel like eventually they need to do something so nice for you that 
it like wears the player down and be like, fine, you can come with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know it, what I would mean, be that's... amazing is because this is like like your your state is like near a town or something. You know, where Stardew Valley, you have your farm and it's near this small town. Like that familiar's family could be living in there, and there could be interactions with it, and like maybe even generational stuff. Like maybe I have this familiar, and um. You know, I'm not taking her on all these missions, so she has time to start a family. And then when she dies, I start hanging out with her son, and her son becomes the new familiar. And I, I do take him out on missions because I realize like how much I missed out on her life. And and he could definitely inherit some of the skills that you like right. about. And so whatever, the NPCs you know. are almost like that rogue legacy aspect. Like like the computer is playing rogue legacy while you're playing Brothers <laughs> and oh, Diablo yeah. or something. That's a that's a, that's a great way of looking at it. You know what else would be cool is uh, the one I think the one thing that we have to tweak a little bit is a, like vampire or maybe we can I don't know how we would make this part of the story because it sort of goes against everything we're trying to do. But the point of a familiar is that they want to eventually become a vampire so that they yeah. can also be immortal. Which does that break it or is there a thing where you can make them a vampire and then they part of that loss is them going off now and doing their own thing. And yeah, well, like yeah, either way, that. you can't stay with them. Like either they're gonna die, or you make them a vampire and they go off. I, I, I wanted, I was thinking about this and about like blood magic and and stuff like about collecting a sample of their blood before they die or something and having like kind of a, a meta progression in your estate with that. But um, the big down, the reason, like it's funny in vampire stories. I, I always think of what we do in the shadows. About the human Guillermo. familiar, like, mm-hmm. yeah, really wanting to be a vampire. Who they all um, call Gizmo, which is my yeah. favorite fucking thing in the world. <laughs> um, they always, I, I don't really know why, but in those stories, they never, the vampire never wants to. They, they keeps like, <laughs> I know like, why. Teasing. Why <laughs> it doesn't is it really, I guess because they're going to lose a servant, but. Yeah, um, and, and that's exactly what we're talking about, right? Like, they're right. so useful that if they don't so, okay. turn them. Yeah, that's that's one thing. But then here's another aspect of it. Like if you do turn them, now they are a vampire that has all the same problems you do. They get an estate across town, and now you are both competing for the villagers to find the good familiars. Oh, interesting. So they can kind of become your enemy in in a, a little bit. I think that could be more non-combative way. Although maybe yeah. it could be a thing. Yeah, that I, way I mean, oh, vampire wars. Hell yeah, it may, like escalates. Maybe... <laughs> It, it's it's something where there's like like if you start if you if you convert one familiar to a vampire they go off and live I I think it should be outside of your town like you want to spread out your vampire like this is how sure. you survive but maybe if you start making too many vampires it does change the course of the game and it becomes this antagonistic thing where like let's say I've converted you know eleven of my familiars into vampires and that's just too many vampires for this area to support and now one of them has risen up as like a, a vampire warlord and it kind of like changes well, the game a little bit yes i i think this needs to be a risk reward proposition like should i turn them or not like uh you know returnal does awesome thing with the parasite like a lot of things in Returnal, like the malignant chest or the parasites like you get a buff and you get a debuff and like mm-hmm. sometimes you have to think about what is it worth it is it worth the risk so like maybe you get to know a character and then when they are asking to be turned, like you get some premonition or you get some, maybe it's like gamey thing of like, okay, well, if you don't turn him, you get this. If you do turn him, you get this other thing, but it's like a bad, I don't know what would be like a downside to turn it. Well, to, or 
What would be an upside to turning someone? Okay, so we're... I, my worry about the whole Vampire Wars thing is it's really shifting the focus of the game. It is. Right. Yeah. Um, so... It had to be like end game stuff, if anything. No, what I'm thinking is... What's the risk reward of turning somebody is they might turn into a fucking like they might just be lying to you, right? And they want to they want to turn into a vampire and take over all the power and just be a dipshit. Right. So the entire point of you taking them out of familiar and like taking them out on missions and I was even thinking earlier that maybe uh you could take them to like nightclubs and stuff, or maybe even take over their body so you can go out during the day and that would all feed into their like story of learning who they are as a person. And yeah, that is also cool. informing you if this person is worthy of becoming like an immortal and won't like you're going to find out, oh, they really just want to become an immortal because they want to experience the world and like have enough time and, and, yeah. like, and like all these like maybe better reasons to be immortal rather oh, than so, amassing okay. power. So so you're learning who they are yeah, and form this attachment as a way of deciding if they are worthy of immortality. That's perfect. Yeah. That's I, awesome. That's, that's really good. Uh, I think we got it. Guys, that's pretty genius. Uh, all right, check this out for the name. You ready for this? Yep. Mm-hmm. Harvest Blood Moon. Ooh. <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, someone should make this. Someone should someone make should this. Make it. All right, guys. What recos you got for me? Uh, I got a I got a quick one. Uh, <laughs> it's a YouTube cooking channel called nice. Adam Ragusia. Um, the thing I like about him a lot is a lot of times he takes this a, a more like scientific. I don't want scientific makes it sound more intense than it is, but just like this like fact based version of cooking where there's a lot of things where it's like, oh, when you're doing this meal, you have to do this every time. And he'll sort of break down like, do you have to do that every time? Is there a way that we can get around having to do this really time consuming or costly step and still end up with something that tastes as good or better than you know what would happen with these preconceived notions uh one of the, one of the examples is he he makes a uh, a lasagna in like 20 minutes by and i've heard of this before by not cooking the noodles um and in order to keep the noodles like keep the noodles from being hard when they're done he just adds water to like all the ingredients and throws it all in the oven and then 20 mm. minutes later he's got a whole freaking lasagna um and there's other things where he just talks about like what is nougat in a candy bar and why is nougat in every freaking candy bar like you know stuff like that that's like, cool so really like like fact based or information based cooking show which I think is a a pretty unique thing to find uh, Adam Ragusia that's great it, it sounds um, awesome I, is it is it kind of like Alton Brown's Good Eats where he's like breaking down the science of like what's happening to protein when you cook meat and like why ceviche works or like... yes uh he in fact that's a re- that's a really good example because he's mentioned before that um Alton Brown is a was a big inspiration for him and in fact if you listen to the like the cadence and the way he talks he talks a lot like Alton Brown like it's uh, it's, it's pretty clear like the that there's a, a big connection there I also want to give a shout out to um, Test Kitchen and uh, yeah. Cooks Illustrated. Uh, they they do a lot of this stuff too, where like they'll apply like a systematic scientific method of like what's the best time or consistency for cookie dough or whatever. It's like they <laughs> they, ha- they have like different amounts of ingredients per batch, and then they'll put each batch on a tray, and then they'll cook the those trays like a matrix mm-hmm. of variables, and oh, then they'll find. Nice then they'll find the one cookie that's perfect and like, okay, well that was the one that has this much oil and this much time, whatever. And so they do that a lot. And then like the, I, I'm subscribed to cooks illustrated magazine and it's, it's exactly what you guys are saying. They go through like why and how they come, 
how they came up with uh, these recipes and like, well, we tried this, but like it was really good, but well, there's got to be a way to remove some steps. You know, it's exactly what you're talking about. So yeah. that's great. I love that stuff. You I'm know, definitely going to check the, out this. The magazine you- is awesome. They also have an enormous cookbook that we reference all the time. We've been making pasta out of it uh, from scratch recently, um, but they also have a TV series on PBS and yeah. In really there, good. they'll also do product reviews, which is kind of like, you know, Wired or something like that. But they go through and they're like, this spatula is the best because it's like rigid enough on high heat. It um, can withstand like they know the exact temperature range that these things can withstand. Yeah. Like they know if their dishwasher safe, like they they go through the same process they do with their food for their cooking utensils, which is just amazing. They yeah, so, the magazine so I guess my reco was Test Kitchen. I don't even remember at this point. Um, <laughs> um, no, you got so you also Dan, Dan. She reminded me of uh, I, he was my he was one of my recos in the past. Uh, how to drink? Uh, yes. He did one of those matrices with matrices with I believe it was martinis, and mm-hmm. he said before like like you know all the different uh, ingredients he, he laid out two by two or uh, in a matrix and yeah. Uh, yeah. He uh, he took a sampling of every single one, and before the episode, he ends up like doing like a pre-recorded warning where he was like, "Hey, I thought taking one sip of each of these would be fine because I did the math in my head." But at the end of the episode, he's so fucked up. He's like, he was like, "This was genuinely dangerous. I do not recommend doing this." But wow. it's also really interesting watching him like step through it, just like that. Uh, he had a, a great video on on what mezcal is, which I I'd always wondered oh, yeah, why I don't like mezcal, but I do like tequila. And he answered it, and it's it's awesome. Um, that's a great channel. That's another also great channel too. How to I want to throw out uh, an Alton Brown related thing. One of my favorite. I, I when I watch reality shows, I either watch fashion or I watch cooking. And one of my favorite cooking ones is a series called Worst Cooks in America. And Alton Brown was on the most recent season, and it's hilarious because you can tell he actively hates being on the show the entire time. And he checked <laughs> his social media. And usually he's tweeting about different projects he's doing. He has one tweet about being on Worst Cooks, and it's not like it's completely neutral. Like he must have absolutely <laughs> hated being on the show, and it's amazing to watch him struggle to be a host. Were they? Oh, so he was a host. They weren't calling him one of the worst cooks. Right, right. No, no. So the way Worst Cooks is, it's, it's like a, an amateur cooking show where people nominate their friends and family as being the worst cook, and then they have tryouts to see who's actually the worst. And then over, you know, 10 weeks, these uh, Anne Burrell and whoever the guest host is teach them how to cook. And it culminates in them cooking for um, a bunch of food critics. So, OK, uh, so I, w- I was worried that that was just like shitting on people who are trying. Right. Best, oh, no, no, but no, it sounds like they legitimate. then actually like teach them to be a good cook and get a skill out of it. That's cool. Yeah. The, the name of the show makes it sound like they would eliminate the best cooks every week and, <laughs> until they get to the absolute <laughs> too, worst. So people are just everything. trying to be garbage. <laughs> yeah. Well. Thanks for listening to Someone Should Cook This. <laughs> um, no, uh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm super excited to check that out. Uh, Jeff, what do you got? Yeah, another YouTube one. Uh, a lot of you listeners, if you're into video games, might have seen Kyle Hill's video on Lady Dimitrescu and what would happen if she stepped on you in real life. Um, he's, uh, I think he's an engineer or something, but he does all these science videos. And um, a lot of them are video game related recently. But he has a series called Half-Life Histories which are about nuclear disasters. Oh, not the video game. Not the video game. No, oh, that's actually, yeah, I didn't even think about that. He knows what he's doing. He did, he does. But this Half-Life Histories is amazing. He has a couple on, um, or he has one on Chernobyl, the elephant's foot, which I didn't realize was a thing, but he has a bunch on uh, US 
nuclear disasters and uh, just really well done videos. They're really easy to digest. He has a good way of of breaking down the science and what he talks about into something that's easy to understand. And uh, this series in particular, I really enjoyed. I just saw that Tom Scott video where he went to the amusement park inside a cooling tower in Germany. Mm-hmm. It's like super cool. Wait, that's uh, a thing? I didn't see that. Yeah, that's that further, right. further down. I think it's like a things you should know or, or something like that. Either as that as, or like amazing places. or yeah. yeah. As long as we're just going back through like all of our favorite recos. He did hey, why one, not? <laughs> yeah, he, he did one. He did one recently where he went to the top of a, a wind the turbine. Wind oh, I and, saw that. And Crazy. then took the emergency like exit, I guess, down, which yeah, is basically just a winch that lowers you super fucking slow. And God, those things are so high up. I, I, I'm not afraid of heights, but I think that would be I don't think pretty I would, fucked up. Yeah. Have, have you ever passed a wind turbine in pieces being transported on the highway? Oh. Because uh, yeah, it is like the blades. fucking surreal. Because those blades look like it looks like some sort of avant-garde squid sculpture, and it you, it's well, impossible to place at first, or it was for me until I saw two of them together, like side by side on the highway, and I was like, oh, those are fucking wind turbines. Those yeah. blades are like a hundred feet long. It's the yeah, most sci-fi looking thing. Like if you see one of those driving down, you're like, what the fuck are they building with that thing? <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's also like because like scale is so hard to pin down with those wind turbines because they're so far away. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, you don't know how tall they are. Like, those blades, it doesn't compute that they're that big. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you know that I mean? blade is that big, how high off... How tall like, is the fucking... I can't... Yeah. You I can can't drive a semi through the column. Like, you know, the column of the wind turbine. Like, if you lay oh, it like down the on the road, you could drive a semi through it. It's That's that big. Like, it's insane, the scale. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Good stuff. So this has uh, been this my, episode of Wind Turbine. <laughs> Someone should wind this. <laughs> um, all right. My my record this week is uh, the Amazon show Invincible. Um, I don't know if we've – I don't think we've talked about this on the show, but uh, Jeff, you've seen it. Matt, you haven't yet. Nope. I don't it, know what it is. It's a uh, – it's an animated uh, show about superheroes. Um, the best way to describe it is it's the boys – meets the tick <laughs> i guess that, it's like no, the what tick if the is, t- it's too meta it's it's more no, like no. if the boys did a more direct take on superman right okay so it's a deconstruction of superheroes kind of it's a little bit watchmen ask in terms of like what would really what would really happen mm-hmm. well boys is like that too like what would really happen if you were a superhero like what are the things you don't think about um and it's very dark and fucked up um it's a cartoon though I, it's a it cartoon. Is, it is a cartoon. It's, it's it's very violent. The voice um, cast is phenomenal. It's amazing voice cast. The animation is not great, uh, but that's because each episode is like 40, 50 minutes long. Like it's mm-hmm. an, hour, an hour long animated show, which is kind of like unheard of. Um, I think there's seven episodes or six episodes, something like that. And uh, it's phenomenal. I, I actually think I might prefer it to the boys because I think the story is really good like I think really the story is better in, in because Invincible. i think i love the boys but the boys always has that sort of layer of like trying to shock you you know mm-hmm. yeah uh but invincible is extremely shocking but that's not what the show's about it's actually about things if if um, invincible had been a live action series it would be nc-17 and it would be really fucking hard to watch because like the violence in it is at a level if you if you've complained about seeing destruction in a superhero movie and be like, oh that guy's dead, like <laughs> that's me. This I show, complain every time. 
satisfies that complaint to a level that I don't think right. you could do in live action. Yeah, um, imagine if that final battle in Man of Steel was actually like showed how awful it was. Anyway, uh, yeah, definitely check out Invincible. Um, my, I, I don't even a warning because I think it's a good show, but like uh, when you're watching the first episode, which like I said is an hour, um, you're like, okay, this is solid. This is cool. Pretty, you know, fairly Sanders stuff. Some interesting, cool takes here and there. And then the ending of the episode yeah. one is like, oh, okay, now you have my attention. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So huh. uh, de- definitely watch through the first episode. And um, and then the final two episodes are unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. That, that Highly recommend Invincible. felt like, like, uh, I don't want to, yeah, I'm not yeah, going to say too much. I mean, don't, don't say anything. It's very uh, satisfying I, to finish I, the first I want season. to, I actually am so invested in the story that I... I think I will just get the comic book and, and, and read ahead. And I've heard people say that if you do that, you'll still, because they've, they've renewed the show for a couple more seasons. So even if you do read ahead, uh, it's still cool enough to watch the show and they do change things and streamline things. So I think you can still get, it won't be like a super spoiler for the show, even though that's been a good adaptation. But anyway, yeah, Invincible. It's great. Check it out on Amazon Prime Video. And... That will do it for the season finale. <laughs> sure. <laughs> of someone should make this. Uh, we don't really know what our seasons are, but yeah, we just to reiterate, we are taking a break for a while, retooling the show. Not sure when we'll be back, um, but uh, yeah, keep subscribed, and you know, uh, you can always still tweet at us at, at Make This Podcast. And uh, hey, why don't you rate us on iTunes? Why not? Uh, yeah, what, what do you got to lose? What do you got to lose? <laughs> also, if you feel like saying stuff, email us that stuff at someone should make this podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, big thanks to Mariachi Entertainment System for letting us use their music for our entire first season of Someone Should Make This. You can hear more of it at mariachimes.com. And with me departing, uh, if you want to follow me, I'm not on any social media, uh, at least that you can find. <laughs> So um, you can't. But I am on Twitch at twitch.tv slash TheElementCarbon. And I am planning on, on using that a little bit more. Um, I talked uh, about a month or two ago about how everybody should do it up for Halloween. And I am planning on starting some cosplay stuff maybe next weekend. So um, I'm thinking about Sunday streams, but I might also do some during the week in the evenings. So uh, go ahead and, and give me a follow there. Don't Don't bother subscribing. Don't give me any bits. Just... Just give me a follow. It's it's a funzy thing. It's not going to be consistent. I don't want your money. I just want uh, want to have some fun. Cool. Until next week, when we may or may not come back. <laughs> until an undetermined time. Until an undetermined. Fuck! I can't even say it. <laughs> undetermined. Just end it. Just end the episode. Until we come back. I want to get this word. How Release do you say this word? Release me from Indeterminate. this. Indeterminate. Indeterminate. <laughs> so, so the middle, leave. it's in, determine, eight. Indeterminate. Eight. Oh, my God. Until an un... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Until we come back. <laughs> We've done the hard part. Now, someone, no, someone should make, should make it. it.
That was our that was our best altogether. Our final our final at post credits scene. <laughs> no, you should just put that should just be it. That should be yeah. it. That should be Fuck it. Fuck it. Why not? Why not? <laughs> All right. All right.